Starting a podcast can be very time-consuming. I've been doing it for more than three years now, and my biggest challenge was finding a way to distribute my episodes across major audio platforms in a way that was easy, effective, and free to use. That's when I came across Anchor. And the best part is that you can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So if you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What's going on, everybody? This is George Glyphe, and episode, it's episode 16 of Let's Grab Coffee. I'm here with my good friend, Siam Rizza. He's a digital marketing and comms manager at Enactus. He is, honestly, no joke, one of the best photographers I know today. Super excited to have you, Siam. Thanks for doing this, man. Thanks for having me, man. It's, uh, it's been a long time coming. I've been keeping up with your journey, and uh, yeah, quite humbled to be here during while you're starting from the bottom, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate yeah. it. And, and obviously, you've been, you've been a great help. Uh, especially on the sort of digital side and and the things I should watch out for. Even with this podcast, you were sort of you know making sure everything, yeah, yeah. everything's right. Yeah. Tell us a bit about your story, man. About my story. Okay, who so is time? We're talking life story, everything like broken hearts, like all that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Whatever you want to reveal. Okay, okay. The <laughs> waterworks are about to come out now. My story. Um, so as George here mentioned, so uh, I'm the manager of marketing communications at Actus Canada. I kind of run the whole marketing and digital marketing side and uh, web optimization web optimization and social media marketing and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And also uh, uh, manage like the content creation. So the photography, the videography and uh, design aspects for like signage and prints and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of what I do now, but on the side as well. So um, this is actually kind of recent for me, but uh, I'm a professional photographer as well. Um, I've been kind of taking photography seriously for the past year and a half, I'd say. Uh, and this has been a hobby of mine that's been around since 2011, so around seven years now. So I've been doing this photo thing for a while just for fun, you know, taking photos of my friends, taking photos while I travel. Uh, I'm big into cars, like since I was a child, I've been into the automotive scene forever, like <laughs> racing, cars, automotive technology, hybrid technology, whatever you guys say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've kind of been big into cars, so just been shooting basically anything that I enjoy, anything that I like, and just the people that I care about and people that... Uh, yeah, people around my life, I've just kind of been shooting them. So in the past year or so, I've been kind of taking photography a little bit seriously. And uh, and yeah, that's kind of what I do right now at the moment, both the job and the, the side hustle. Awesome. They're, they're very, very complimentary in that sense. Right. Um, like, you know, photography in of itself. Um, it's not just me kind of hopping around, skipping around fields and taking photos. It's a very business-oriented thing. You know, there's a lot of outreach involved. There's a lot of organization involved. And, sure. um, you know, when you, do, when you are running a shoot, you got to take it for, you gotta run it professionally, but also besides running it professionally, you gotta put your client in a sort of a comfort zone, right? You're, they're about to open up to you. They're kind of being put in front of this big, large, intimidating black lens, you know. So um, yeah, there's a lot to it, uh, and uh, that's kind of it. Like I, I've just kind of been a creative dude for the past few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of discovered this whole creative side of me, and uh, uh, I thought I'd pursue it. I thought, you know, if I like this stuff and it's working out, and people are enjoying it too. Uh, why not make a career out of it? Why not kind of pursue stuff? Along those lines. So let's talk a bit about the creative side. I know that, and maybe for those watch, for those who are watching, mm-hmm. they might not know that your background is actually economics. Right? Yeah, yeah. When we first Old met in Telford, yeah. right? I, I remember it, and, yeah. and uh, I still knew that you had that creative arm because you were always at, at Telford, and that's why I'd always be confused. I'm like, mm-hmm. are you in business or economy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was that transition like for you from from eco to marketing? Um, do want me to tell you my life story about like the university part, like before before we met each other? Everything, please. <laughs> okay, I, okay. I need to know this too. Okay, he needs to know this too. Yeah, man, about to cry out here. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really that bad, but anyways, long story short, um, before university, uh, a few of my cousins they were kind of pursuing accounting. Okay. Uh, and uh, I guess like you know, classic, uh, 
classic Brown family narrative, like, you know, pursue a job, either become an accountant or a doctor or a lawyer or whatever engineer. And that's kind of like, you know, the narrative that you have to follow. Um, so in high school, obviously, I don't think an 18 or 17 year old is the time to decide what you want to do for the rest of your life. But that was kind of being, you know, for lack of better terms, like shut down, shut down your throat, basically. Mm. Um, like the whole idea of pursuing those kind of careers is kind of being pushed towards you at an early age. And there's a lot of pressure right. around it. So uh, long story short, when I was 18 around high school, I excelled in the math courses. I like business. I had cousins who were pursuing accounting. So I was like, why not just apply to the accounting program at the University of Ottawa? Stay home, you know, do it there. Um, so I got into the program. Uh, I was doing okay in my classes. Uh, economics, I was excelling in. Um, but long story short, there were points and nights where I'd be studying this kind of stuff and uh, just like genuinely, genuinely, genuinely did not enjoy anything that I was doing. Um, I'm not here to bash accounting. I'm not here to bash just like, you know, uh, quantitative careers because there are people out there for that and there are people doing great things for that too but it just wasn't for me at the end of the day um so right around my first second year just shortly before i met you um my younger sister she got a a, a dslr camera for her birthday very very entry level nothing too crazy just kind of meant to take photos of her family and all that kind of stuff and uh keep in mind i've never shot on a camera before this so this is 2011 um and uh around that time i had what's it called an iphone 4 okay and that time, the iPhone 4 had a camera where if you took a photo close enough of a subject, the background behind the subject would be completely blurred. And now that, to me, blew my mind <laughs> and stuff. I, I take photos of like my erasers, my pencils, <laughs> wouldn't study or anything. I just like kind of take photos of little objects. And the whole idea of background being blurred was just like foreign to me. So yeah. I was like, yo, this is awesome. Yo, like, it's pretty cool. Um, the day my sister got her camera, uh, I kind of took her camera and then noticed, oh my god, this is this blur background thing is pretty sweet. I like it. So uh, long story short, um, my sister ended up using that camera for about three months and then just like stored it away and never ever touched it again. It was me who was always like kind of asking her, uh, yo, can I use your camera? Like, I, I just need to use it. <laughs> I love this background blur effect and all that. And uh, uh, I started using her camera here and there, kind of doing shoots and stuff, doing shoots with my car at 17 years old, pretending I was a racer, pretending I was a gangster, kind of doing gangster poses in front of a Honda Accord. I like it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so uh, that was kind of like the beginning of it. Um, my sister got annoyed to the point where I, like, I, I ended up getting my own camera. Um, and that's kind of where it started taking off. Uh, I've always been into like music. I've always been into movies and all that kind of stuff. And this is kind of just a whole new piece of me that kind of opened up. So uh, fast forward a few more years, I was just kind of shooting at events and all that kind of stuff. And events, as thankful as I was for them, like, you know, they kind of got me to think on my feet in terms of taking photos and editing large batches of photos at a time. Um, as much as, as thankful as I was for them, it was something I really hated. I didn't like going into events. And, why is that? Um, events. Like, again, why events? Not for, not, not, because I know a lot of people, um, when they start, when they start their career. When they start, they start with events okay. in terms of photographers and stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. When it comes to events, um, me, at least the kind of direct, sorry, the kind of photographer I am, I, I like to direct and compose an image all of my own. Like I'll, okay. I'll have an idea of an image and I want to completely direct the idea behind it, like, you know, fix, fix the lighting and all that kind of stuff. And I just like setting it up in my own way. When it comes to events, you got to be on your feet. You got to be uh, ready for the next person. And, you know, you're kind of shooting on the go. Um, and that, that in of itself is cool and everything. But I'm, I'm just, I, I feel like for myself, I'm, I'm more of a creative director when it comes to the photography aspect of things. So uh, when it came to photography, I started off with events, like, you know, little school events, uh, student events and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's where I learned a lot of my editing skills and kind of met a lot of photographers at that age. But it wasn't something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. It wasn't event photography or anything like that. So that was kind of that point there. So at this point in my life, mm -hmm. uh, I was 
what, second year accounting, I was not liking it too much. And I did really well in my economics courses uh, to the point where actually uh, around two of my professors were telling me, hey, Simon, you know, you should probably pursue a career in economics, maybe even look into a master's and a PhD. You know, you're liking this stuff and uh, you're doing pretty well and you're getting a good grasp of this stuff. This might be a future for you. So um, I've never in my life had an academic come up to me and tell me anything like that. <laughs> um, so, you know, what, 19, 20 year old Saim, I took that at, I took that in and I was like, hey, this is pretty awesome. This might be the career for me. Um, I also did a little bit of investments in my second year and I thought, oh man, the stock market is the place for me. <laughs> it's funny that we're talking about that. We're, we're sitting in the TMX office right now. <laughs> I talk about how it all comes first full circle. We're presenting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, so I made the whole switch to economics, but I kept my management part of Telfer because uh, I still did like the whole, I, I, I like the whole aspect of running a business and kind of want to learn from there. Um, so kind of like a pivotal moment in my life. Uh, I'll give it, I'll give a shout out to an organization. I've already kind of mentioned it, but um, Anactus. So for those of you watching who don't know, so what, what is what is Anactus? What is Anactus? So Anactus, it's this experiential entrepreneurship learning platform okay. that's based all around the world, schools all across the world, universities and, uh, and colleges. And yeah. uh, I work for Anactus Canada. So what we do is uh, Anactus is based in schools and uh, there are student teams that are based in schools and these right. student teams, uh, they run outreach, pro outreach projects. So these projects or businesses or social enterprises, the purpose of them, they have to be social, uh, economical or and environmental. So they have to kind of uh, tackle uh, the triple bottom line um, and be a full functioning business that helps a group of people that is fully sustaining as a business um, and that uh, helps the environment in any way, whether that's diverting waste or whether that's uh, recycling or anything like that. Okay. Um, so that's in a nutshell what it is. And Actus also runs uh, several competitions throughout a year where all the school teams kind of compete and they uh, present their businesses to a board of judges made up of industry experts from all around the country. Um, and uh, basically they compete by showing a beautiful multimedia presentation and uh, they report on, uh, they present their impact that they had. So how many people they employed, uh, you know, how many pounds of waste have they diverted? Uh, how much money was it made? Is the business sustainable? Um, so that's what Anactus is in for schools. So back during our time at UOttawa, I joined the Anactus UOttawa team because uh, my cousin was actually the one who founded it uh, at UOttawa. Right. Um, so he kind of preached the word of Anactus to me from a 17, 18 year old. And I was like, stop talking to me about this weird Anactus thing. Like, I'm just trying to get into accounting and become a chartered accountant, you know? Trying to be um, a CPA right Yeah, now. just trying to be a CPA right now. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the goal. But uh, he kept kind of preaching the, the the word of an actus to me, and I got into it, and uh, that's that that organization in and of itself, um, you know, I guess it speaks to it now because I work for the governing organization, sure. but uh, an actus U Ottawa, so an actus in the University of Ottawa, that joining that organization was a huge pivotal moment for me because that's when I started meeting very, very like-minded people, um, you know, creative people, not just people who are photographers or videographers, but just social entrepreneurs, people who are kind of running their own thing, running their own game, um, and uh, learn figuring it out as they go. And that's kind so of so. Would you say that was your tipping point for getting into that creative space? Uh, like, I, like what was that real tipping? Point the real tipping you? point? You know, I'll get to it. Okay, I wouldn't okay. say this was like kind of the introduction. Just for make, it. Okay. Yeah, this was kind of the introduction for it. So I got into this organization named Benactus U Ottawa, uh, and uh, yeah, we started several projects and everything. And these are we're students. We're like 19, 18, 20 year olds old. Um, we're a couple of students starting community outreach projects, right? Yeah. Um, I attribute a lot of my success, and I'm sure we're very similar in this respect, but I attribute so much of my success to just the people I surround myself with and the people that I meet. And, uh, and Actus Uato was wholeheartedly and definitely a place where I met a lot of like-minded people. So I'm going to give a quick subtle shout out to one of my best friends, Vineeth. You know, Beneath. So Beneath is one of my. Really, if you're watching this, yeah. If you're watching this, <laughs> shout out to you. Um, yeah, Beneath is a good friend of mine, and uh, at the time, he was a, just just a creative dude, just a designer and a photographer, um, and he was the vice president of marketing for Anactus Ottawa. So he kind of took me under his wing, 
uh, taught me everything that he knew about photography, about design, and then uh, this this opened up a whole window of design for me. So I started becoming a graphic designer, web designer, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, together, me and him kind of ran all the creative stuff for Nexus for all of us. So whenever we ran a community outreach project or a social enterprise or a business of some sort, me and Denise were the guys to go to to come up with a logo, to come up with a PowerPoint slide, <laughs> and I designed that to take videos, to take photos. Me and Denise were the guys running that in the in the first few years. Um, and Denise, man, this guy taught me almost almost everything. Like I know, like when it gets down to it, he 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 was a, he taught me a lot of the foundational stuff and okay. photography and just what it is to be a creative person in the business landscape. What, what, what was the the biggest thing that you learned from him? The biggest thing that I learned from him, um, man, just what I okay, two things. It would be uh, stay consistent in your work, like keep delivering, keep creating content. Uh, do your best not to take long breaks because the second you do, you kind of go into limbo. Um, so he was the guy who kind of like pushed me, like yo, keep creating content. And it was to the point where he hit me up at times, and be like yo, let's go for a photo shoot, just just just, for, just because just for fun. And then um, yeah, so he was kind of the guy who told me to stay consistent, but. Uh, he was also another guy, and I owe it to him and a lot of other friends, but um, just seek inspiration from anywhere. Just because we're photographers, we shouldn't only seek inspiration from other photographers. We should seek it from film. We should seek mm -hmm. it from art, from paintings, from, from culture. From your environment. Yeah. From your environment, from your stories your parents tell you, your grandparents tell you, story your Lebanese friends tell you, <laughs> anything like that, you know? So uh, seek inspiration from anywhere, man. There's, there's, beautiful, there's beauty in everything, and when you really take your time to look at stuff, there, you'll find inspiration from just about anything. So... Uh, yeah, those those are just kind of elemental things that he taught me, and uh, yeah, the Nexus Juwada. So that was a organization that kind of allowed me to recognize my talents as a creative person and use it towards a better cause, if anything. Right. Um, and that's where I met a lot of like probably people. What, what propelled you forward, I guess. What propelled me forward. Yeah. So fast forward about four years now. So remember that thing I told you about how we run national competitions? Yes. So um, an Nexus does this thing where the whole country runs competitions where uh, they present their businesses. And each all this all the schools kind of compete against each other, and then uh, around every May we run a national competition. So right. all the schools from across Canada kind of compete, uh, and uh, whoever wins that national one goes to the world competition. And the world one is like a big deal. Right. Um, it's kind of like the best teams from all around the world uh, are kind of competing and kind of uh, showcasing the impact that they've made in their countries and in their communities. And what's cool about it is that there's problems are diverse from community to community to country right. to country, right? So you're learning a lot as you go. But um, yeah, so. We're at this national competition. We're around a four or five-year-old team at that time. Um, and one quick note to mention about this national competition, it's it's tough. Like, you're, you're staying up. You're producing these wonderful 17-minute multimedia presentations with full-fledged script and everything going for it. And uh, uh, we're, again, we're students. We're kids doing this stuff. Um, <laughs> you still have exams. Yeah, yeah we still have exams going on. We're still working part-time jobs at Fido. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm selling cell phones on the side while creating these multimedia well, presentations. Hustle. Yeah, yeah, it's all about the hustle, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, so this was going on, and uh, the national uh, competition rolled around, and one thing you should know about the national competition, so uh, for around, as long as Anactus has been in Canada, there have been like up to three team, three to two teams that have been winning these competitions back and forth. Uh, U Ottawa, we're a brand new team, we've only been around for five years. Uh, like, who are we to kind of take this title, you know? Um, it, it was between these two teams that kind of won and are historically just like top tier teams in the projects and the businesses they develop and the students that they develop. Um, so that year we ended up actually winning the national competition. So uh, when you keep asking me what was the pivotal moment where you kind of realized that this creative thing was, that was the thing it. to do, uh, that, that, that was it. And wow. it gave me the ultimate validation, you know, like uh, me and our team of people and uh, we kind of stayed up night after night, hardly any sleep, just preparing for this competition. And in the grand scheme of things, it, 
it seems small now because you know I'm, I have my career and everything. But at that time, as a student, it was our whole lives. We we're putting blood, sweat, and tears into this kind of thing. And then a lot for me at the time. And uh, again, like there's impact with it too. And you know, we're affecting a lot of people. And it's just awesome to kind of put it into a presentation and stuff. So yeah, uh, we we ended up winning that competition. First time you Ottawa ever won that at, like at that national competition. Yeah. Again, just to just to kind of uh, reiterate, we were an underdog team. Like we were only five years old. We were going up against teams that have had established programs and businesses for up to 15 to 10 years. Um, and here we are, the new kids That's on crazy. the block kind of winning it. Um, so that was like a giant moment for me and the team and you Ottawa all together. It was like, I, I look back to it as one of the best years of my life. Uh, you know, we're only going forward from here, but like that's at least a much more pivotal moment in my life. And not just for me, like uh, um, one of my friends, Kathleen, who was the president at the time, her career has taken off in terms of shout being, out yeah, shout out to Kathleen. Her career has taken off in terms of being just a very, a force to be reckoned with in the social enterprise scene. Um, as well, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Vineeth has taken off to uh, one of my good friends, Hannah. She's a consultant yeah. down in Saskatoon now working with a lot of indigenous populations. It's like that these people, like besides like us having that Enactus bond, like we've gone above and beyond and we've just done great things and uh, we've stayed true. To, we, we've stayed true to the stuff that like get us up in the morning and make us want to lose, right? There's stuff we love. There's stuff we care about. So um, these people, I'm going to keep going back to it, man. Like it's your people. They were the foundation. Well, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like what they say, right? Your environment's made up of the five people you spent your life. Exactly. It's the most cliche thing, but I am made so up of the that. first five to 20 to whatever people that yeah. I spend time with, you know, like I'm, I'm super thankful for the people I'm surrounded by, but yeah, that would be the time, the pivotal moment in my life where it kind of started taking off. Like I, when you, to provide context, when you win a national competition, kind of like the whole country in terms of at least the Enactus partners and the network and the many donors and, you know, many media that are posting about it, they kind of get to know who you are and stuff, right? So the exposure is there. The exposure is huge and uh, the validation. The validation was huge for me. You know? so, like, so one thing on the validation side, yeah. uh, you got the validation from the competition, from, mm -hmm. from your close environment. Yeah. And I know you 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 touched up on on family, but uh, yeah, I, I do want to just because it's it's very yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a, probably at the peak of what you're talking about yeah. now. But how much, a bit. <laughs> yeah, because because that's important though. Mm -hmm. I know we talked about this on the side not mm -hmm. on the podcast yet, mm -hmm. but your family is super important to you, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so you're originally from Bangladesh, yeah, I, and yeah. I do want you to talk about that. But was that an important validation for your for your parents as well? Um, okay, this is a whole other yeah. tangent. You ready for this? But, but, I, but I do want to get into this because <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it relates to what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, uh, yeah, an act of society, I guess. So, my family story. Um, uh, my dad, so my family's from Bangladesh. Uh, my dad moved here in 1982. He's been here just a bit over 30 years now. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, he just kind of, I guess he just like looked at a map, spun a globe, and was like, Grenada. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Russell Peters. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I just kind of shows Canada come to. So he immigrated here to Montreal uh, back in 82. Kind of like, you know, started from the bottom, as we want to say, like yeah. pure immigrant story. He worked as a busboy in restaurants every now and then. Um, and then he kind of picked up on knowledge on some of these restaurants and what to do in the background. And he ended up launching his own restaurant way back in uh, 1986. So uh, it's this Indian restaurant called Mukut Indian Restaurant on Rita Street back in Ottawa. Yeah. Um, and it's been operating for over 30 years now. And uh, besides that, he, him and his brothers, my uncles, they mm -hmm. all start, kind of started up doing restaurants and we all kind of run this whole family business with that. Um, he dabbled in uh, property management as well, where he had an apartment building and he kind of rented it out uh, and everything. And uh, yeah, my dad's like the true testament of like, Landing in this country with nothing but just twenty tacos in his pocket, like you know, he'll always like pull me aside and tell me these stories. Oh, I used to walk to school and have to fight tigers, and I was like, "That you're not." Yeah, I can't relate. There are no tigers now. There are no tigers. Like groundhogs. I don't know. <laughs> 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 deal with that model, right? 
But uh, no, my dad, uh, side note, like he's just a giant inspiration for me, right? Like sure. he left everything back there, figured his way out here. And uh, I'm very lucky. I'm very, very fortunate to say this. Um, like the Bengali community, although it's very, very small, I like to think that 10% of the Bengali community is directly my family. Wow. Um, I'm very fortunate to say that my dad managed to bring all of his brothers here and my mom's siblings as well here. Sure. And we all live here and we're all good. And all of us kids are going up here in Canada and stuff. And I have a giant family and my family is everything to me. Man. They're, mm-hmm. they're my inspiration. They're people I go to when I'm feeling down. Uh, and uh, they're just the ones that keep me going. Like before my friends, before you know my good, good friends who inspire me, they were the ones who were always there. So uh, yeah, they're everything to me. Um, so going back to the point of how did my family kind of validate my yeah. creative ventures, if you if you may? Um, so, uh, yeah, going into university, I was pursuing the accounting degree just right. because my two older cousins were, and my dad was probably like, happier about that. Yeah, right? that a good, that a good. So, dad, dad was very happy about that. Uh, Mom was very happy about that too. Um, they they recognized that I wasn't enjoying the career too much. And to be honest with you, when I started playing around with my sister's camera and I started taking photos and stuff, they were very hesitant. To the point where it was like saying, you know, have fun with this stuff. Like, you go around play with your camera with your friends and jump around fields and have fun. Um, but it's just like you know, take it easy. Like, it's not going to sustain a life for you. You got to figure something out. Um, accounting is the way to go. Uh, look at your look at your two cousins. Like, I'm sure. Like, yeah. Immigrant background too. Did you have like this your parents always go back like to those like pinpoint that one cousin in your life and do your parents always bring up this one cousin? Like, yeah, or just the benchmark in general. But keep in mind, I think as you pointed out, like. It's not that they don't they don't care. I mean, they're doing it because they care for you. For sure, for sure. Like, it comes from a place of endearment. Exactly, right? and yeah. they're just trying to be defensive. And their benchmark, like, dude, 20, 30 years ago, especially you know, our, coming from where our parents came mm-hmm. from, if you if you say digital marketing or building a business on Instagram, my mom, <laughs> and my, my dad would be like, I mean, now they they understand it more. Yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. Totally. the context, but yeah. I mean, to your point, if you just come to your parents and say, Mom, I'm I'm launching this business on Insta, or I'm, yeah. I have this Shopify website, they'll yeah. just probably just pass out like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm disowning you. <laughs> Two goats, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, but it's definitely context, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to like you know bash their story, they're, no, they're they have my best interest in mind at the end of the day. Um, but uh, it's it's definitely a, a thing of like you know, there's a cultural gap, right? Um, yeah. they, it just didn't make sense to them, but that's hard um, though, it's like, hard, it's tough. It, it was like, hard for, for you to just to navigate through it for like, sure, for being sure. respectful for your parents on one end, mm-hmm. but also really wanting to pursue. Your sort of goals Something and aspirations, like, right? Yeah, and and bridging the gap by proving to them that this is this, I'm not doing this just for jokes. Like I'm serious mm-hmm. about this mm-hmm. for sure, totally. So how did you go about doing that? Like I'm because oh, I bet you, man, so many people want to, including myself. Like we we've been through this. Yeah, yeah. And sure. so I love hearing how people navigate. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I dealt with it a lot, and um, like besides like you know having immigrant parents and everything, like I, I'm also just very very close to my parents. Like I'm very open to them, and I talk to them about everything. Um, and uh, when it got down to those conversations, there would be nights and stuff where I'd tell them, "Hey, man, like, mom, dad, like, like I'm I'm enjoying this photography thing. Like, I'm finally for once like doing something that I solely enjoy, and other people love to see it as well. And like, it, it, it might be a partial option for me. And um, uh, as that kind of went on, they they just one thing that they wanted to see was just to me to kind of prove myself to them. Kind of yeah. like they're putting me to the test. Like, if I'm gonna pursue this thing, make it worthwhile. Like, show me some." show them some stuff that like show them some proof that this will actually yeah. lead me to a good life you know and like you know be happy with you and everything like that um you know they didn't immigrate here in the 19 1980s for nothing like i, I gotta i gotta deliver i got i got yeah. some uh, uh i got some families to take care of <laughs> um so uh yeah uh, all, long story short they just basically wanted me to like prove to them that this will work out right um so show me, don't tell me show me don't tell me like it's, you're all talking right now saying you gotta show me some stuff uh 
So uh, another thing back to the Bengali community, it's a very, very small community back in Ottawa. Like I, my dad's very known in the community and back when we kind of go to events and stuff, uh, my like the standard thing at these Bengali things would be like, oh, this is my son, George. Yes, he's, <laughs> he's studying finance. He's graduating in two years. And that's all we were, right? Your like, resume. Like, yeah, yeah. Your resume, you're like just setting you up for marriage, right? Yeah. Um, that's kind of like, yeah, yeah. That's kind of your like your go-to introduction. And yeah. uh, like whenever my dad would introduce me to other people in the community or his friends or whatever, I'd always nice. have to, I was always, oh yeah, I'm studying economics and management, uh, looking to do a career probably with the Bank of Canada or something like that. That's kind of what I was, that was my go-to introduction, right? Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, I was like putting on a whole like lie. I was living a lie for a bit, not a lie. I was still studying, but like, you know, it wasn't something that I want, didn't want, it wasn't something that I wanted to do at the end of the day. Right. Um, so, uh, you almost have to put on a mask just to, I guess, please, sure, please sure. the, just please the community and just yeah. like ultimately make my family happy. Right. Cause yeah, yeah but, like it matters. Like it, as much as it sucks, like within our communities, at least like it, it does matter, but I'm not to say that this is the way everyone should do it. Um, this is just the way I did it. And thankfully it worked out for me, but, uh, yeah, I kind of went with that and, Anytime I'd be introduced, like that would be my kind of like, you know, quick biodata marriage introduction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's study. This is what I study, blah, blah. I'm going to work on the Bank of Canada. I get benefits. This will be the way to do it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, as time progressed, as an activist kind of developed, uh, as I met, you know, Vinith and everything like that, yeah. uh, um, like my parents kind of started seeing like, hey, he's not just having fun with it anymore. He's taking it a bit more seriously now. Yeah. We're, Saim is not home anymore. He's like spending 5 a.m. at campus with his other friends working on this kind editing of stuff. And, and editing stuff. and all that kind of stuff. They even, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, they, they, they probably saw one that you were happy, but also one that, that most of your free time was going to this thing. And it, and it was, it, even at that time, it was still mm -hmm. a side hustle for you, you mm -hmm. know, right? But you still were going like 100%. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was st again, studying, <laughs> selling cell phones at Fido and then doing this, right? Uh, spending my whatever hours remained of the day to do this. Um, I live, my grandparents live with me as well. And uh, they like, my grandpa would, he does this thing where he does a nightly 2 a.m. shift to make sure we're all asleep and in our beds and stuff. The sheriff. Yeah, yeah, just the sheriff. But not in an aggressive sense, just checking to see if we're alive, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, he kept, he always like walking on, like me in my room, just doing my thing, working, editing, whatever, working on prospects or working on graphic design and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, at a young age, he just saw me kind of working there every now and then. And uh, he'd kind of be like my, uh, he didn't. He'd be my the informant to my parents. Like, hey, I know you guys are fast asleep by two a.m. But Red Rover, <laughs> Red Rover. I don't know you guys are fast asleep, but at two a.m. Saying he was working. Um, but yeah, the another thing like my grandpa would always like, kind of check up on me, and uh, they they saw right in front of the faces yeah. that I, I was actually putting. They, they saw the action. They saw the action. I was all talking at one point. Now they saw the work going on. Right. Well, what um, was your what, so on this too? So we mm -hmm. talked a bit about the, I guess the challenge. Let's mm -hmm. talk a bit about maybe the the, the positivity of it. Mm -hmm. What was the, the proudest moment you had with your parents in that transition phase for you? In the transition phase, yeah. For you? Like, like I, I I have a sort of proud moment for me, but mm -hmm. but because uh, I know everybody as they're going through that sort of obstacle or that hurdle, mm -hmm. something happens, whether it's that tipping point or whatever that that one validates, but that two, your parents look at you and you say. You know what, man? Like, I know we've had doubts and whatever, but mm -hmm. I finally see what you're doing, and I'm mm -hmm. and I'm full support. Mm -hmm. Did you have a time like that? Maybe not, but I'm just mm -hmm. wondering. Oh, totally, I did. I did. Yeah. and I already mentioned it. So it was the time I wanted access nationals. So that was um, it too. That was it for me. Yeah, that's what I think. Like, so, so your parents probably saw you. They, like, they saw me, and then they knew what I was working for, and then okay. I told them, "Mom, I'm going to Toronto, I'm going to go to this competition." Uh, and then it was like, "Yeah, sure, just make sure you come back before midnight on Monday." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I did it. And uh, the moment we won, um, they were they were definitely the first people I called. Um, telling them I want it, and then uh, like I, I like to think I like to think that my parents they 
they kind of acted like they didn't care too much. Yeah. But in the background, they were keeping up with my shit. They were like, you know, keeping up with it, actually reading up on it and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it was a moment that I called them. They were like, wow, wow, thank goodness. And uh, in our culture, in Muslim culture, they say, we say some, you probably say, mashallah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that's like, you know, the greatest honor when your parent kind of yeah. says that to you and validated for you. And uh, I'm saying like, it's, it's like a, a descriptive, like, wow. Yeah, like, yeah it's like, wow. like uh, With a religious connotation. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah, the, they said that, like, my, my mom, like, Mashallah, mashallah, mashallah. They just like I'm saying that on the phone and everything, and pass it to my dad. My dad, for the first time in his in his life as a brown dad, same. Rob, good job, son. And uh, yeah, yeah. So it was that moment, definitely. Um, and it was again another tipping point for me. It was at that point where uh, now when we go to these events and stuff, my parents first thing they say, "Oh, my son, he's a national champion for the country." Acting like I'm going to the Olympics or something, like my son. <laughs> My son, Olympics. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the like first point of conversation. And the only reason I'm using this whole Bengali uh, community like introduction thing, sure. it, it's just like a little placeholder topic, um, it, it, just to kind of show the contrast. Like, yeah, yeah. Before this pivoting point, um, my parents would introduce me as like you know the economics dude. Now it was like, oh my, my son, he's he, he's he's a marketer. <laughs> he he, uh, he won a national competition. Now he's representing Canada at the World Cup in South yeah. Africa. It was in South Africa at the time, the World Competition. So. My son's going with his team to South Africa, but it also has such a bit bigger, uh, I guess, moral to the story too. Mm -hmm. Like, like you're you're using the whole context because I think people need to understand, yeah, the the, the sort of the, the background of what you had to go through because I don't think they'll understand the severity of it. Like, mm -hmm. and not that it was like dramatic, there there was severity, but sure. but, but of course there is, man. It's difficult, mm -hmm. especially when you're super attached to your parents, and, mm -hmm. and that means a lot to your mm -hmm. culture, uh, as it is for, for me. But mm -hmm. and you really want to make them happy, you want to prove to them, but at the same time, you also want to be happy and do mm -hmm. something you enjoy. Mm -hmm. And Probably. so that divide, man, is, is super, super, super difficult, but yeah. I think very important to talk to. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why I wanted to raise it up. So, so okay, let's talk about this now. We talked mm -hmm. about an actus. We talked a bit about uh, overcoming your... Yeah, this is all pre-22 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I do want to come to what, what's, what's going on time, now. right? Yeah. Uh, you have your camera on the left. Mm -hmm. bring, bring it up. I want to oh, show, show. show people this. Okay. Siam's uh, masterpiece okay. here. This is my Nikon. I... I Sometimes call her Nikki, I guess. <laughs> Nikki the Nikon. Yeah, this is my baby. This is what I do all my work with. This and uh, uh, this is kind of behind the scenes. I'm not allowed to do this. Yeah, yeah, expose the secret. No, go for We're it. actually using my lens here as a mic mount. It's the hustle, <laughs> you know, man. It's, the hustle. it's all about the hustle. You got to make it work somehow. Yeah, I'm try, so trying to make whatever happen. Trying to make it work. This, all, this is all a front. This all looks so professionally done, but there's a lens holding the camera. We're actually on the street on MacBook. Adelaide. This is an Edison. Yeah, this is a MacBook going on. It's all a front. You got to start somewhere, right? But no, I admire the hustle, but uh, yeah, yeah. So I so, guess present time, yeah, right? Yeah, present time, yeah. So, so your camera. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us a bit about, you know, okay, so so from an actress to now sort of starting your own thing, you created a website, you started mm -hmm. launching this portfolio of, of pictures that you were putting together, mm -hmm. some for, for the auto uh, mm -hmm. sector, some just... Oh, okay, okay, okay. I, I want to sort of talk a bit about that because yeah. I think a lot of people watching this, and I know... Um, they, they enjoy photography, but a lot of them either don't know how to how to make it a legitimate career for them, mm -hmm. or to get into the business of photography. Mm -hmm. So, so let's start there. I'll let you sort of pivot, and then we'll yeah, figure it I'll out. I'll transition from what we were talking about before to yeah. how I got to this. So, yeah, uh, yeah graduation comes along. Um, uh, I'm looking for jobs everywhere, uh, and I'm applying to nothing but marketing jobs. Like I finally figured it out. Like this is what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and uh, because we won that national competition, um, there, there's a governing office called the Nactus Canada that okay. governs all the teams and their startups, and they provide entrepreneurship programming and they run the program across the country and run these competitions and all that kind of stuff, right? So uh, the Nactus Canada, the office, they were actually expanding their team, um, and uh, they were expanding their marketing team. And uh, because 
I was the national champion. And again, another pivotal moment because I was a national champion, I became very close to the president of the organization um, and their, uh, the director of program. So I became very close to them. We were very close friends and everything. And uh, uh, when they were, um, when, when they were expanding their marketing team, uh, one of the members of the office kind of just reached out to me and was like, saying this, this role is like made for you. Basically it's made for you, man. Like, uh, uh, we were wondering if you'd be interested. And at this time I was only applying to jobs in Ottawa. Like, uh, again, going back to being the family man, I was, Really? Mama's boy yeah. lived at home my whole life. I was not ready to leave my home house <laughs> by any means necessary. Um, but uh, yeah, one of my good friends at Access Canada, she reached out to me and she said, this new uh, manager of marketing and communications, well, we just kind of created it and we wanted to try it out. And uh, like, it's like, it's it has you. Like, it, 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 it's, a, it's a role that like, it's just, fit you. It just like fits you. We've been watching you. We've been, we've been growing you. We've been nurturing you now. Come work for us, <laughs> yeah. basically. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, good fellows at Anaxi Canada kind of reached out to me, launched a short interview after interview. Uh, I got the job. So mm-hmm. I was, no, that is kind of my role right now, the manager of marketing and communications there. Um, and that got me. So another pivotal moment, that was the one that forced me to move to Toronto. So, okay. uh, here, ever heard we are in Toronto now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a full on creative job. It was a wonderful job that like helped me use my creativity, but also for a better purpose. And yeah. um, it's also the job where I learned all the formalities of marketing. So go back to, economics. I did not study marketing by any means, right? This is all, I learned it all myself. Um, this is the job that taught me all the formality, formalities of it. I have this wonderful director of marketing, her name's Jen Palzon, um, very experienced in the whole marketing scene across Toronto. And she mm-hmm. kind of took me under her wing and uh, like slapped me with the reality, basically, like kind of taught me all the how it works and everything. And going from a city like Ottawa to the marketing scene in Toronto, it's a ginormous jump, right? Mm. Um, so she taught me everything I need to know. And again, this is where I learned the formalities, how to do things, how to run things. The business of marketing. The business of marketing, the business side of it. This is where like, this is where my education, if anything, came from. Um, uh, besides you, Ottawa and the Access to Ottawa part. But uh, yeah, she taught me a lot of it. Um, so yeah, here we are in Toronto. Uh, I moved to Toronto when I was, what, 23 years old. Um, whole new city. Hardly knew anybody. I had a few friends from Ottawa that mm. kind of moved here at the same time. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of, so another subtle shout out to another good friend of mine. Um, it's a girl named Emily Dorenzo. She, she went to Ottawa with us. So Emily, uh, Emily what's up? Um, <laughs> so uh, Emily is a girl that went to school with me and George. And uh, she was kind of known as the other photographer in yeah. the school, at least. Um, I like to think <laughs> during our time, there were three photographers at, in Telford, yeah. uh, myself, Vanessa, yeah. and Emily, right? Um, so Emily, like, uh, it was anytime we saw each other at university, like we weren't friends or anything in university. It was like the most quick, small talk, awkward conversation. Like, hey, uh, nice photo by. It was just like, the most like, we were not, not that we hated each other. I think we just like weren't friends. Like, we were yeah. close friends in university by any means. But, um, when I lived in Ottawa, whenever I wanted to go on shoots, Vinice was my go-to guy when it came to shooting and everything. And he still is my go-to guy, Vinice, if you're watching. Um, yeah. but, um, uh, when I moved to Toronto, um, I didn't have a person to kind of go and take two photo shoots with. And, you know, you're in a giant, beautiful city with giant landscapes and giant buildings and so much to see in a flourishing art scene and a flourishing photography scene. Yeah. I definitely wanted to dive into it, but I just think I needed a friend to do it with. And I, or I just was just too intimidated to do it on my own. Also, it's so, fun if you have someone to share it's it. It's fun to have someone to share it with. Um, Emily, if, man, one of the biggest blessings in my life, like wow. becoming a friend with that girl. Uh, uh, yeah, one one day, just another friend of ours was in town, Diana, yeah. if you're yeah. watching. <laughs> big fan of Diana. We like Diana. Um, but Diana kind of just uh, said, hey, Emily wants to grab brunch. Let's grab brunch. I was like, all right, cool. 
Uh, we grabbed brunch. We started, and then me and Emily immediately just took hit off, it off, like hit it yeah. off. Uh, so just started talking about photography, about not just photography, but the whole creative scene, just design, art, culture, yeah. hip hop, like how we're actually passionate about it. We're right? passionate about this stuff, yeah. right? Um, so hip hop wow. culture, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we kind of hit it off, and then after that brunch, that was kind of it. Uh, we just basically started organizing a list of just things that we want to shoot in Toronto. And this is just purely for fun. No business, no nothing. And, and mostly these are places? Places. Places. Okay. Uh, kind of how, how did, how did you people. find them? Like what? Yo, man, Instagram. Instagram is if, okay. Instagram is a photographer's LinkedIn. Yeah. That's the way I put I it. I want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, long story short, we basically drafted a whole list of just locations across Toronto and uh, inspiration photos. So we create like kind of mood boards and stuff with photos that we want to go to. And, and uh, we so, have so wait, you, you envision these pictures or like no we we find photos find photos we find photos of other photographers so we had like a set of photographers that we idolize like they're on so Insta? on Insta yeah and some, these are some names uh, these are giant guys I don't know them but someday I will um, Alan Polander he's okay. one of my like idols he's just a giant photographer on Instagram okay. has a bunch of partnerships with a bunch of brands that I love too uh, Chris Howe he's another guy Peter okay. McKinnon um, follow all of them they're just wonderful at what they do cool um, but yeah these are all guys. Like besides being incredible photographers, these are guys from Toronto. They're Canadian. Like they're they're in the same shoes as me at one point. Love it. Um. So uh. Yeah. Me. Me and Emily had kind of these photographers that we idolized, and we kind of followed their pages, and then uh, we started following their work, and we were like, you know, your biggest inspirations. Like you kind of, when you want to become something, you kind of uh, pursue like someone else who's kind of already doing it. Well, you try you to model, model it, something, yeah. right? You model it after someone else who's done it, and then you kind of add your own thing to it, make your own thing out of it, right? So those are our guys. Um, so yeah, we create these like mood boards out of Alan Polander's photos, out of Chris Howe, out of all these photographers, and uh, we kind of like be like, hey, how do we achieve these photos? Um, Emily is someone who like I can think of like one of the only like there's a set group of these people, but one of the people that I don't spend like I, I talk to literally every day. Like <laughs> there's not a day that doesn't go by where we're not talking to each other. Um, and uh, yeah, we basically talk all the time about how to develop these photos, how to take our photos to the next level, how do we achieve certain effects in certain compositions, and how do we tell stories with our images, and how do we do all that kind of stuff. So when I was living in Ottawa, I was kind of taking photos just to make them look cool and kind of like, you know, get a few likes on Facebook. When I moved to Toronto, when I met Emily, when we started following after all these photographers, when we started organizing a list of it, it became serious. It became serious. That's when we started saying like, hey, what kind of moods do we convey with our photos? Um, there's a psychology behind the colors yeah. that you use and the tones that you use. Um, the composition, if you look at a phone, if you look at a photo and the street is going like this, um, you know, there are composition lines that lead to a certain subject in the photo, like the science behind it and what constructs a perfect photo. Why are these people so successful? It's because they're following all these rules that have been around for ages, right? Um, so this is when we started taking it a bit more seriously, started hitting up all these locations and stuff. Um, and then after a bit, um, I got myself a full-on, full-frame professional camera, kind of upgraded my gear. That's Nikki over here. Uh, <laughs> Wilson, my lens here. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I got my professional camera, and then we just started taking photos. And where did you? It's like, can I just answer? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think people are wondering. Yeah. Where did you learn the, the technicalities? So you're discussing it with Emily, right? Yeah. Uh, and you're sharing ideas and stuff. Mm -hmm. Are you using like a site, like, or are you just playing around with the camera yourself? Mm -hmm. Are you looking at the manual? Like, what what is your a bit of everything, but I attribute it to a few things. So the foundational stuff that my friend Vinny taught me years ago. Okay, um, that's the base. That's the base. Okay. Um, all the new stuff, it's experimental, but when it really gets down to it, man, we live in an age where so much is accessible. Right. So much is so accessible. No excuses. On as that, soon as, as a yeah, no excuses. Basically, you can learn everything online. I'm purely self-taught. Uh, I've it. never taken any photography course or anything. I've learned it all. Which online. is hilarious to be like <laughs> in, a, in a positive way because yeah. like this is also so difficult. I mean, to be honest, man, like if I was to be behind that, mm -hmm. 
terrible, <laughs> <laughs> terrible photos, you know. It's, so, yeah. so one, you have a passion for it, but mm -hmm. a lot of it you're saying is just, just go and do it. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. you, you can't sit there and analyze and wait for the best moment, the best time. You just got to be out there, play around, try different things, and, and do it, and just do yeah, it. Do it. Like there's so, only so much planning and sitting around in a room and like Excel spreadsheets that you can do. You just got to get out there and do it. And in terms of learning a lot of the technicalities, uh, honestly, YouTube tutorials and. Really? The, you know the people we mentioned earlier, Alan, Peter, yeah. Chris Tao, those guys, they set up tutorial videos all the time. So really? the people... So they have YouTube channels. Exactly. They have okay. YouTube channels and they're setting up tutorials and uh, just follow all the creators. Just, just be immersed in this community yeah. of creators. That Put you yourself have. in that community. Put yourself in that community. There's an abundance of it in this city, right? So definitely dive right into it and just talk to people. Like uh, any, like You'd be surprised once you start growing your network and stuff like that um, and you know, you're know you at an event or you're kind of going out shooting and someone brings their friend along who's also a photographer, you'll end up meeting some of the most diverse people who will help you with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, you'll be editing your photo in front of them and that person you just met five minutes ago, they'll tell you to do this and then you'll yeah. try it and they will be like, oh my God, that's a whole new thing. And then that's kind of, you're just kind of learning as you go. So learn from people. Uh, I learned from, uh, yeah, definitely online tutorials. But can I also add one thing to this? Yeah. Is, is actually try to create value for other people. Mm -hmm. So I think like a lot of people who are trying to, trying to use Insta to, you know, to, mm -hmm. I guess to start their their camp, their, their, their photography business, mm -hmm. the best thing you can do, like when you're trying to DM people, mm -hmm. you know, and, and serious photographers, like yes, you have the, the big sort of uh, idols, if you want to call them, mm -hmm. like people who you aspire to become. Mm -hmm. But even before that, in Toronto, there's a huge list of, of, of really really good photographers mm -hmm. that if you just DM and be like, yeah, hey, can I just shadow you? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, hey, how's it going? Like, like would love to just spend a day with you or yeah. or, or share some ideas. Like, if you create a value upfront for us to just ask for something, mm -hmm. like if I just DM you and say, hey, Sai, you know, can you take my LinkedIn photo? Yeah, and you're like, well, okay, like, like maybe I'll do it if, you, if it's a good, you know if you're a good friend. But what's yeah. in it for me? Yeah. Like, yeah. So what what value are you creating? Mm -hmm. Versus like if if we're doing a podcast and we're creating value and mm -hmm. it's it's sort of reciprocal, then I, I think you, you you have you have a bigger door to to, to large opportunities. Mm -hmm. you know? This transcends not just photography to any side. Anything, of business. That's what I'm trying to say. Reach yeah. out to anyone for anything. Give them some value back as well. Don't just try you're and the take them away. Out. Right? You're the one reaching out. So <laughs> don't just try and take them. That's it. Yeah. Uh, got, it has to be reciprocal, but also has to be human. You you gotta yeah. talk about. It's not that always and transactional. Like, it's not transactional. You know. Um, hey George, I love what you've been doing with your podcast all these days. I saw episodes at 15 the other day and was really inspired by it. you're doing a great job with your stuff. Uh, could we grab some coffee and talk about stuff and kind exactly. of launch the podcast? Like, you know, just like talk exactly. about it. You've kept up with them. You've researched them, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so going back to our growth plan, we, we started reaching out to a few influencers. Uh, Emily did a lot of it. And uh, yeah, we were, lo and behold, we were immersed in this community. We were meeting some of the bigger photographers of Toronto. We were becoming friends with them. These are people that we aspired to be. And now they're friends with us. Like we're, we're seeing, yeah. we're talking to them. We're DMing each other all the time on a daily basis. Um, and uh, yeah, we were immersed in this community. And then long story short, fast forward a few months, uh, I got my own professional camera and uh, I started just just, la just launched my own photography gig on the side. I launched my own website. Yeah, um, I remember and, what you were working on. Yeah, yeah, I launched my own website. And I, it's kind of a weird thing. When a photographer launches a website, I feel like that's kind of like a serious thing. That's when you start. You were super serious about yeah, it. Yeah, I so I, yeah, I launched a website <laughs> and uh, thankful for all my friends that did it. They all shared it. Yeah, um, yeah a bunch of my friends shared it. And like, lo and behold, like I, I a sense on any marketing. Um, it was all word of mouth. I like, love a it. lot of word of mouth clients came my way. Um, I've been doing it professionally for about a year and a half now, and just word of mouth, word of mouth, word of mouth. Like I, I've hardly spent a cent on it. But you know why though? What? Because I think so. So one of the things that you did well, and this is advice I give to a lot of people, is mm -hmm. try to build your personal brand first. Yeah. You know, and by personal brand, I don't mean like I think a lot of people have this weird misconception around. Oh, you know, you're just trying to you're doing this just to build your personal brand or to enhance mm -hmm. your resume. Mm -hmm. No, no, your personal brand in today's world is using platforms like Insta, like mm -hmm. LinkedIn, like YouTube to to, to communicate your story with people. 
-hmm. right? What you're about, who you are, mm -hmm. what things that you know you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. What, you know, what's your purpose here? I don't, like whatever yeah. that means for you, yeah. you know. And then if you do that enough times, and if you create that value for people, and if you're pushing things that people really want to see, mm -hmm. eventually they'll have your back. I mean, that, that's what creates fans yeah. versus just like a, a client of yours, yeah, right? Yeah. Like actual fans of sign, like people who keep up with you, yeah, right? and they'll yeah. support you and everything. Fans, and friends, you know, and, like, and people who will genuinely share your content and all exactly. that kind of stuff. And I'm thankful. I'm more than thankful to have fans per se and followers that help me out with that you know, but you've done it as well for other people dude like i know you've, you've had my, oh, my, yeah, yeah, my yeah, content yeah. like as a quick example right <laughs> yeah. when i was when i was launching my, my, my podcast even even the uh, uh like book back the app that i'm working on on the mm -hmm. side you reached out to me without even me asking mm -hmm. you're like dude look love what you're doing mm -hmm. uh, i do see some things you can improve yeah. on i'd love to help <laughs> yeah honestly like yeah. He, 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 you reached out to me and so you created that value for me and so mm -hmm. i mean how can i not if, 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 for example, one day you want something, how can I not have your back? You yeah, know, yeah, so, totally, totally. so that's what I, that's what I mean by by value creation, not not reciprocation in the transactional sense, but just mm -hmm. create value for people in your community. Mm -hmm. You know, and in the marketing world, people that's are more likely to follow you if someone they know kind of promoted them. You know, right, so right. Uh, that's where a lot of my clientele came from, and it, it's mostly been great. Yeah. Like, yeah. mostly Instagram, and we're talking just like more or less personal portrait shoots and all that kind of stuff, but that wasn't the end goal for me. And it wasn't the end goal for Emily as well, who I shot with a lot of time. Um, the end goal was ultimately just like, you know, influencer clients, uh, corporate clients, and just like clients that we have passions within. So going back to me, I'm a big guy with cars when it comes to cars. I love cars. Lamborghini, Ferrari, Aston Martin. Knows everything about cars. Yeah, yeah. Like a big nerd. car nerd, yeah. Like a nerd. <laughs> I'm down to talk. I'm down to have a podcast on my own to talk about cars. <laughs> um, but yeah, big car nerd. Um, besides cars, I'm a ginormous hip hop head. Big really? into music, consume a lot of music, um, and besides that, just a big fan of just culture and traveling. And I traveled a lot through Enactus. I've been there. Yes, Morocco like, recently. Morocco, South yeah. Africa, Iceland, China, Germany. Kind of been up all over the place. And uh, I just genuinely enjoy culture. Like whenever I travel, I like to meet people and figure out their food, their dresses, everything. Um, so again, these are just points of my passion that I'm into. So, so what you're really saying is, mm -hmm. is find the things that you really like, mm -hmm. and and use photography. I guess to, uh, to, do, to go towards those things. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. just because it's maybe the sexy thing right now to to look at cars and, and yeah. to take uh, pictures of cars doesn't uh -huh. mean I should do it because because you're doing it. Uh -huh. I think that's a good lesson for people. Just yeah, just yeah. To understand the context, right? Um, now. like obviously do your thing, find your clients, or do whatever you gotta do. But um, like go, my biggest advice, it's worked for me. It's worked for many people I know. Yeah. Um, if you are gonna start your own thing, whether it's in photography or whatever, whatever it is. um, like just like go towards clients that you have some sort of like a draw to, a, like, a, like a passion about. Yeah. Um, so why is that? Why do you think that is? Man, um, there's there's nothing more than a genuine connection between you and your client. That's one thing I would say. Like, uh, I, I I like to think that I have. I have an ability to connect with people, yeah. uh, and it's not surface level, and uh, it's not something. That, it's not an ability that I have. It's something kind of that you kind of develop. Um, like over the years, like again, I have all these different passions. I'm into film, like cuisine, everything. Uh, I read a lot of books about a lot of different people from all walks of life. I'll walk. I'll, I'll read a Nelson Mandela book one day. I'll read a Elon Musk the other Elon Musk book the other day. Uh, I'll read about Gucci Mane the other day, like stuff <laughs> like that. You know, just diversifying, like an F1 racer, and um, it's just good to kind of like have those kind of hold those kind of interests and just have this diverse background just so whenever you meet a new person, um, you can strike up a conversation. And it's not it's not a BS conversation. You're just having a genuine conversation. Like, and that's probably something we need more of to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. But like just to be just to be genuine. Genuine. Like when we did the when we did the shoot together. Mm -hmm. And and that's what I love about you, dude. And mm -hmm. you, you talked a bit about professionalism as well, but I mean you're 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 very serious about it. Like yeah. when we were there, there was no it's not like we're not there to join like we're we're both serious about it. Mm -hmm. You know? So mm -hmm. uh we were there, it was like on top like, you know, we did we did our thing, mm -hmm. thirty minutes here, thirty minutes here. We grabbed a coffee, but we also talked about 
a, a personal story. We yeah, actually yeah. did this, the, we did this. The podcast twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I uh, like that point that you Yeah, made. yeah. Genuine connections are everything in this life, man. In this world where everyone is online and there's so much noise out there, uh, I'm a firm believer in just like having genuine being connections true. with people, being true, having ha- having a real relationship with people. Nothing so surface to, level. Can I ask like you something as well on that? As you as you built your your or and still are building and improving your Instagram, game, mm-hmm. one of the things that that I think a lot of people are, are curious about is, like, obviously, the, I guess the follower account is always important, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, on, on surface level, right? Yeah. Now we're talking about value creation, being genuine, but the, the issue is in digital impressions when you first and everybody does this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you're gonna look at me and say, "Oh, George, come on," but isn't it true? Like when you first go on an account and you see twenty k, you're like, "Ah, this is legit." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you haven't even seen anything. Yeah. And and I don't know if these are bot followers, ghosts, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I'm not into that stuff. But yeah. but uh, how do you maintain that that truth? To, you know, to, to your passion in your game without without succumbing to these like uh, you know these things on on, on on the surface. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So I guess how it works for me, and this, this is going to be different for everybody else. Everyone runs it differently, but personally, how it works for me. Um, a lot of the content you'll see on my feed spring from my passion. So again, mm-hmm. going back to cards, you see a lot of cards in it. You see a lot of architecture in it. You friends. see a lot of a lot of my friends. Um, I'm big into portrait shoots and I'm big into fashion as well. So you see a lot of people doing stuff in their outfits and stuff. And uh, my feed is is an extension of me as a person. That's kind of how I, I explain it. Um, Are you telling your stories in in pictures? Is that what you're trying? I like to, to tell my stories in pictures, but I like to have fun with my pictures too. I like to joke around every now and then too. Yeah. Um, but Going back to what you said about like when people get to your account, um, have, like, were, sorry, were you asking like um, if they see twenty k followers as opposed to one k followers? Like, yeah, I mean, you? So, so how do you get them to follow you? Well, well, mm-hmm. kind of, yeah. So one, how, how are you, how do you form a genuine connection? Yeah. So how, how are you developing your your Instagram while mm-hmm. staying true to the game without succumbing to things like oh, I need a hundred thousand followers to be oh, legit? Okay, okay. You know, I uh, just trust the process, man. Just uh, be patient. Yeah, be patient. Uh, again, I, I I post content that I. I, I only think is the best fit. Like uh, I, I, other photographers do this differently, and you know all the power to them. But yeah. me, I like to only put out photos that I think is only top top notch. Um, and then I you tell spend my, a lot of time editing. Spend it's a lot of time. Yeah, a super perfectionist and uh, top notch and everything. And uh, yeah, once you put it out there, put your story on there. Like captions to other people, they're just captions. But to us marketing folks, to us photographers, like you got you, it's the bigger picture of everything. You got to put your story out there, and then. As people follow you, as people are looking through your feeds, scrolling through it, and they see that your photos are awesome, but not only that, like there's funny <laughs> captions along with it too, they get a piece of your personality in there. And then, um, if I can always get that genuine follower who's all into me and all into my personality and all into my work, um, that's worth more to me than a hundred thousand followers and all that kind of stuff. Dude, that, that's so important. Yeah. Can I just make a point on this, Tim? There, there's something called, uh, especially in social, it's uh, the, the engagement ratio. Mm-hmm. So if you see like twenty thousand followers, yeah. that, the quickest way to see if it's real or not, yeah. go to a picture and go to maybe five or six. This guy knows. You know, okay. you know, yeah. Get a consensus and see the likes on a picture or the views on a video. Mm. And so if there's 20,000 you know, followers, but there's like 30 likes on a picture, chances are either they, they're fake or the people really don't care about it. Exactly. Yeah. So they're not engaging enough. And, yeah. and if you don't pivot, you're just doing the same thing that people don't give a shit about. Mm-hmm. So the market doesn't really care, man. Mm-hmm. You, sure. you, you have to align. Like, yes, follow your passion stuff, but I think what you're also saying is, is put out something people really want to see. And you can like I've made so many pivots too. When I started my YouTube channel, I started with with, with you know with a certain narrative, mm-hmm. and, and I had to pivot while staying true to what what I want to put out, which mm-hmm. is positive content, sharing stories, experiences, my lessons, and whatever. But you you also saw on LinkedIn like how I've been pivoting because mm-hmm. you also have to make it work. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're trying to build a community, you, you need you need to put out something the community wants to see. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, 
one of the things too, I was going to ask for your pictures on Insta and stuff, mm -hmm. uh, maybe more for, because like, I love the DSLR game, but not, not everybody's on this level. Mm -hmm. I'm surely not. I use like this for most of my yeah. pictures, right? I'm, I'm a pretty simple guy when it comes to that yeah. stuff. What apps can people use to actually edit pictures on it? Edit pictures? Oh, from your phone? From your phone. Oh, man. Uh, for the photographers that know it, um, there's the Visco app that, that's go-to, I guess. Um, what's it called? Lightspeed? Uh, what's it called? There's a Google one. Here, let me just quickly look. Because yeah. I actually don't edit that many photos on my phone. Um, that is interesting. Yeah, yeah, I don't. You'd be surprised. Oh, you're asking the wrong person. Uh, yeah, yeah, wrong person. Well, you're more on the DSLR. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, what, Snapseed? There's Visco. Yeah, Snapseed. Yeah. Um, for those who have a subscription to Adobe Suite, there's a Lightroom app Lightroom. as well, but this is for a bit more of the pros. Um, I said Lightspeed, so I combined. <laughs> yeah, you combined two, two, two. Yeah, yeah. Those are a few of the apps and everything. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot you can do. Um, going back to my story about how I started on an iPhone 4, just because I was obsessed with blurred backgrounds, that's where it started. But uh, if you want to start taking it seriously and you just don't have the budget in place for a professional camera yet, start on your phone. There's so many, you'd be surprised. There's so many influencers and people out there and creatives out there that only still post from yeah. like they have a hundred thousand followers they only post from the phones and stuff you know and it works out for them have you, have you seen what, what domino's is doing by the way i share the story with a lot of people too but like uh so so i am a fan of obviously super quality pictures i mean mm -hmm. there's always a place for that mm -hmm. if you guys haven't checked out go to domino's instagram i'm not promoting pizza right now I'm trying to stay fit but like uh why i like them and i read an article about what they're doing they have they have millions of followers but mm -hmm. their pictures are real what I mean by real is they literally open up a, a you know a, a pizza box, mm -hmm. take the, the iPhone, just you know snag mm -hmm. it. No picture, studio lighting, nothing. Nothing, and literally post it. Like I think they're even using the, the native camera app on Insta on Instagram. Okay, okay. They're posting <laughs> it as is because they're they're trying to say like, look, this is it. This is it. This is how you're gonna find it when when it gets delivered to your door. Yeah. Versus you know the perfect lighting and yeah. you know like you'll see the sort of smoke smoke coming yeah, out and everything. And so they, they kept it super real. So that uh -huh. is also, you know, a strategy to use. Mm -hmm. We talked a bit about this, like the podcast. I'm using my Mac to film this right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. I'm using a, a pretty, you know, uh, like reasonable microphone. Yeah, yeah. That's hooked okay. on to your uh, tablet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so so I, I think it, it's also important if, if you really want just to start something. I've always, like, this has been part of my story too. Just, mm -hmm. just start, man. Just start, just start. You Don't know, hesitate. Find a yeah. few idols that you look up to, kind of, you know, like a... Uh, Go after them, see how they do things, and then just start. Like there's, there's, because you can uh, make a million of excuses. That's what yeah, I'm yeah, saying. yeah, yeah. There's only so much planning and sitting in a room that you yeah. can do. Just, just get out there and do it. And you'll improve. Yeah. You'll improve. Like you when you start putting things out, yeah. you saw this, man. As soon as you put something out, people will start. Maybe at first be hesitant, mm -hmm. but eventually they're gonna start realizing what you're doing, mm -hmm. and then start getting curious. Like, Simon, what are you, what are you doing here? Yeah, yeah. What, what is the picture? Oh, you know. And eventually, when you build that traction, mm -hmm. you won't even have to go to people anymore. They'll come to like as you're already witnessing. People will come to you and say. Hey man, we'd love to collaborate with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you put your content out there and it's worthwhile, people will reach out to you, man. They, they will, they will. One of one of the greatest compliments I've ever received in my life. Right. Um, it, it was towards my photos, but it was indirectly towards it. But um, you know, let's say your friend goes on vacation, yeah, uh, and you're just kind of like, hey man, have a good time. That's it. Like, you know, like that's it. Have yeah. a good time. Uh, tell me stories once you're back and everything. Um, it's gotten to a point now that when I go on vacation or when I travel. Like people reach out to me like, yo, that's awesome. I can't <laughs> wait for the content you're about to post. Like you're, you're someone I genuinely get excited about when you travel. Like yeah. you always post awesome stuff. Your stories are cool. And then once you get back, your photos are awesome. Uh, one of the biggest like pumps me up all the time whenever my friends say but uh, uh, And I have to say my favorite one yeah. was the one actually in the desert when you were in Morocco. Mm -hmm. yeah. One uh, where you, I think you're riding on camels. 
Yeah, but the other one was at night with all the stars and stuff. Oh yeah, okay. I, I actually put that on my um, as my desktop. Oh after. damn! Uh, oh man, that, yeah. that means the world. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was also on my phone. No, no joke, so. I'm trying to take over. I'm trying to take over everyone's wallpaper. Everyone's on wallpaper. phones on the desktops. That's the real goal at the end of the day. So, side look, I do this with every guest. Yeah, uh, loved everything you shared. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people found this super valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, one tip or piece of advice. It doesn't have to be one. It could be two or three, whatever. Mm-hmm. Something that you live uh, that, that you leave uh, everyone watching this right now. Mm-hmm. What's that one one sort of uh, gem that, that you can leave us with? Uh, man, just if you're gonna do any work, just completely stay consistent with it. Uh, like like literally like on a weekly basis, like keep delivering everything, whether it's content, whether it's work, whether it's reaching out to clients, whether if you're in sales or anything, like that, just keep staying consistent with your with your craft and everything like that. Um, you know, have idols that you look after, but it's one great thing that's happened to me in my life and I've been blessed with it, but my idols are the people I'm surrounded by, the, the Emilys, the Benites, the Georges, the Kathleen's, whatever. Um, I'm, I'm more than thankful to say that the people I look up to are my friends, the people that I see every day and talk to every day. So have idols that you look up to, but you know, surround yourself with people that will help you get there. Um, and man, if you love something, do it. <laughs> just do it. Shia LaBeouf style, just yeah, go just, crazy. And- just do it, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is, yeah, look at that. Like I, I'm shooting. I didn't mention this earlier, but like one of my clients as, as an automotive, one of my big clients right now in Toronto is this uh, uh, is this uh, dealer at Aston Martin Toronto, and we're like best of friends now. And he brings me to all That's these crazy. automotive shoots and all that kind of stuff now. <laughs> and uh, going back to Morocco, when I went there, I actually had a, a tour. Um, one of our desert tours was completely free because I I, I pitched like photos to them, and all these opportunities start presenting themselves to you. Um, my friend Emily, she's shooting with several influencers now people just reach out to her now and uh, yeah. yeah once you're find once something you once you find something you love you're doing it enough you're doing it consistently because you're doing it to see you're growing and growing and growing um and you're surrounding yourself with the right community and stuff the sky's the limit man that's, that's it it just, it just takes you. off my friend yeah uh, honestly i, I yeah. know i've said this many times on and off the camera yeah. but but you have an incredible story, man. Yeah, and, thanks, man. And I've always been the type that, like, I'll go super bullish on my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to succeed. And, you yeah, know, for sure. I, I, want for you, you, man. I want you to go all the way, dude. And, mm-hmm. and I'll say this on record now. I And you can quote me. <laughs> Siam Reza is going to be the next biggest photographer <laughs> in the world. All right? Bye. Thanks, always buddy. Thanks, pleasure, man. Thanks, man. Uh, one, of, one of the things, too, guys, uh, before we, we sort of end this, you can find Siam. Uh, so I posted his, uh, his Instagram, LinkedIn, his website, and everything else you'll find below, as well as the description. Please reach out to him. He is a phenomenal dude, and uh, we wish him the best success. Sorry, thanks, thanks, buddy.